0: The best way to listen to Radio Captain U is on the way to practice. You can subscribe for free through the podcast app on your iPhone or Android and then enjoy more than 40 episodes. We'd like to thank our partners including US Lacrosse and the National Soccer Coaches Association of America for their leadership in communicating sports science and technology.
1: There's a lot more to being a successful athlete than learning technique and tactics. On Radio Captain U, we introduce you to the leaders of the sports revolution. Welcome to Radio Captain U. I'm Avi Stopper, and on this episode of the show we're speaking with the sports psychologist Jason Selk. Jason worked with the St. Louis Cardinals during their World Series winning years 2006 and 2011. He's an expert on positive self-talk and what he describes as solution focus. Let's dive into the interview and get all the details. Well, Jason Selk, welcome to Radio Captain U. Let's just start right off at the top here with a discussion about the 2011 St. Louis Cardinals. Won the World Series. You were helping them as the psychologist. What was it that allowed that team to win the World Series from your perspective?
0: If I had to boil it down to one thing, which it's kind of difficult to do that, I'd say it this way. And again, I started with the Cardinals in 2006 and was fortunate enough to be a part of that World Series winning team as well. And then my last year with them, as you just said, was in 2011. So in that six-year period, they were able to win two World Series. And I think what I noticed most about the organization, and I think I certainly was focused on contributing to this. I certainly wouldn't take the majority of the credit by any stretch because there's so many unbelievable individuals in that organization from top to bottom one of them being Tony La Russa I mean you you probably won't find a better leader in terms of a baseball team but the one thing that I come back to from both the 2006 and 2011 teams is they just refused to quit you know and I'm a big believer that it's very, very difficult to beat a team that refuses to quit. And you can kind of boil that down to even the individual level too, that it's very difficult to beat a person who refuses to quit. You know, everybody's heard that pep talk before, don't quit, stay with it. How did I contribute to helping the team, it's with a tool called RFF, Relentless Solution Focus. And all I try to teach people is, it's very normal to focus on problems, and adversity is gonna happen. But what happens is, if you allow yourself to focus on problems, or on adversity, or how difficult it is, what happens is, your mind, because you're focused on it, will cause that difficulty to expand. All right now, if you can learn to shift your thinking from the problem to the solution, then what happens is you learn to expand your solutions. And I think that's what causes people to quit when they don't make the shift from problem to solution. And RSF, really the definition that we have for RSF, that relentless solution focus is, within 60 seconds of focusing on a problem, you shift your thinking to a solution. And you can do that by simply answering one question. Anytime you catch yourself on that problem focus, you ask yourself this question and force yourself to answer, what's one thing I can do differently that could make this better? You say it again, what's one thing I can do differently that could make this better? And I think when people learn to do that, they become very, very difficult to beat because they refuse to quit.
1: That's a very rich vein there. Let's just start with Kind of like the counterexample. If you don't go down that path, what is it about going in sort of the negative direction that leads to quitting?
0: Okay, so it's a great question, and it boils down to something called expectancy theory. Right now, expectancy theory is really the foundation of all sports psychology, all performance psychology, all psychology psychology. And here's a pretty simple definition for expectancy theory. That which you focus on expands. That which you focus on expands. All right, let me explain. Human beings are made up of thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. And what we know is the way a person thinks, the thoughts that you choose to have. You know, and I'm using that word choose on purpose because you can, with work, learn to choose your thoughts. But the thoughts a person chooses to have controls the way they feel and the way they behave. And that really is, in essence, Expectancy theory. If the thoughts in your head are negative, you're going to feel bad. And if you feel bad, you're probably not going to behave in a very proactive, productive way, which then just deepens that negative cycle. Then you're going to probably have more negative thoughts, which causes more negative feelings, which deepens more of the negative behaviors. All right. Now, if you invert that, If you change, when you catch yourself focusing on problems, if you change over to solutions, again, your body follows your thoughts. So if you can choose to get your thoughts focused on solutions, it causes you to feel better and behave in a way that's going to be more proactive and productive. And then that reinforces itself as a positive cycle. The more you're feeling good, the more you're doing the right activities, the easier it will be to have the positive thoughts in your head.
1: So if you think about and dwell on the problem, it sounds like, that's almost going to be a self-fulfilling prophecy in that it will get worse and worse and worse, and that's kind of the behavior or sequence of thoughts that leads to quitting in whatever context it sort of is.
0: Well, you're exactly right. Okay, now here's the real issue, though. It's normal, completely normal, to do that. Let me explain. There's something called P. C-T, problem-centric thought. Problem-centric thought, is what I call the number one obstacle to mental toughness. It's a biological predisposition to focus on problems. Okay, so what I mean by that is we're all built the same way. Every single one of us is built this way, that it is easier for us to focus on our problems or the things that aren't going well instead of focusing on those solutions. Learning to be solution-focused is a learned trait. It's not normal. But again, mental toughness is not normal. It's abnormal. You have to learn to be mentally tough.
1: So as we start to think a little bit more about the 2006 and 2011 World Series winning Cardinals teams, are there any moments that you can kind of reflect on from either of those championships, either those marches to the World Series title, where you felt like the team was really or some individuals really exhibiting that kind of switch to more of a solution focus, where maybe something, the chips were down, things weren't going so well. And rather than responding negatively, there was a quick shift and this movement over towards more of a solution.
0: Yeah, and, you know, I have to be very careful and sensitive to confidentiality. It's something that, because of my mal license, I have to take very seriously, and I think my players really like that I take it so seriously. But certainly there were some moments in both years, in the run in both years. You know, if you go back to 2006, the Cardinals were in real danger of not even making the playoffs. They had a big lead, and they were starting to give that lead away, and I wrote about this in my first book, so I know he's okay with me talking about it, but you see a guy by the name of Scott Spezio. Again, when the chips were down and we were really just about out of the game right before the end of the season, he hit a very big hit and propels the Cardinals into the playoffs. And then again, you saw a guy like Spezio, and I don't want to say that it was all Scott Spezio, but I I just don't want to use any other names without permission. In the playoffs... You saw him come up big again with some timely hitting, and there were a lot of players. Again, I think the theme is in 2006, that team was a complete underdog all the way through the playoffs and in the World Series. They were heavy underdogs all the way through, and they just refused to quit. And in 2011, I mean, you had the epic Game 5 of the World Series where the Cardinals were down to their last strike three different times and just continued to battle, and continued to battle and not let their minds focus on how bad the situation situation looked, but instead, what are we going to do about it? What can we do right here, right now to make this situation better? And I'll say it again, when a team refuses to quit, they're awfully difficult to beat.
1: So two World Series titles within five years is really stunning, especially for a team that had that kind of history. You might even argue that two World Series titles in five years is actually a sign of great consistency, but certainly in the intervening years and subsequent to that, they haven't won the World Series. So what do you think it is that's really kind of the difference from one season to the next? If you've really kind of developed that mentality, what do you think it is that makes it so difficult to be consistent and to put those kinds of performances on an ongoing basis? Is it that you're just playing against other people who are as good and probably have similar training, or what do you think that difference is really the result
0: of? I think in high-level sport, I mean, the competition is so strong that, yeah, you have to keep that in mind. It is far different from business world performance. I mean, it really is. I do a lot of business coaching and so forth, and you can control your wins in the business world a whole lot more easily than you can in the sports world at that level. So in terms of the consistency, if you focus on what actually causes the consistency, In my mind, the best thing a person can do to control for consistency is to identify process goals. So I'll do a a quick review if this is not something the listeners out there are real clear on. There are two types of goals. You've got product goals, which are the results, and then you've got process goals, which are the what it takes daily to achieve the results. Now, most people get caught up focusing on the results, but what the highly successful, what the very consistent performers have learned to focus on are the process goals. And what they do day in and day out is they make sure that they're getting their preparation taken care of so that when it is game time, they can walk on the field and they can in their mind know, I am completely prepared. I'm mentally prepared. I'm following through on those things I need to do mentally to be prepared. And I'm absolutely doing those physical things as well. So to me, consistency isn't something that happens on game day. Consistency is something that happens on every preparation day. Specifically, are you focusing on and executing on what you've identified as your process goals?
1: So let's talk a little bit more about the process of and developing the discipline of going from problem to solution. You said that needs to happen within the space of 60 seconds. So how do you coach that kind of discipline or teach people how to actually make that switch and not dwell on problems?
0: Okay, so the first thing is, you know, I'd want to talk to them about the importance of it and the why and, and really get them to understand why it's so important to commit to it. All right, the second thing is I have them fill out something called a success log every day. Now, a success log is four questions, and what we know, what science is teaching us is if a person will answer these four questions on a daily basis, and you only get three minutes max to work on this, but if a person will answer these four questions on a daily basis, it literally st- starts to retrain their brain. It's called neuroplasticity, that you can retrain your brain to focus more on the solution than on the problem. And here are the four questions in the success log. What three things did I do well today? You know, get people focusing on what they're doing well. Because remember expectancy theory, if you focus on what you're doing well, what you're doing well will expand. You'll do more of it. Right. the next question, what's one thing I want to improve? And let me be clear. I'm not saying what are the 15 things you need to improve or even what's the one thing you want to perfect. It's what's one thing you want to improve. In my mind, one inch of improvement is worthy of recognition. You know, so I, I think a lot of times people get caught up in that let's make it perfect so much so that they don't make any improvements. All right, so question number two, what's one thing I want to improve? Question number three, what's one thing I can do differently that could make this better? So it really starts to move from, okay, what's the result of improvement I'm looking for to what's the process? What's one little change, one thing I can adjust that will help me make that improvement? And then the fourth question, on a scale of one to ten, how well did I do today with RSF? What we know is the mere act of assessment causes improvement. So if on a daily basis, you're assessing how well have I done with RSF? It causes it to stay more on the forefront of the mind, and it causes you to put more effort and energy into actually doing better and better with RSF.
1: So there's this deliberate reflection process that happens every day when you're actually in the moment when some sort of problem has presented itself?
0: No, 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 no. let's only be clear. What I would say is if you answer those four questions, and a lot of times the players I work with, they'll do the success logs after every game and after every practice. And I would say, you know, just try to do them within 60 minutes of the end of a game or the end of practice. So a lot of times they'll finish the game and take the shower and get ready to go, and then just before they leave they'll fill out the success log. But answering those four questions, not necessarily in the moment of I'm facing a problem, but just proactively on a daily basis, what it does is it trains your brain so that when you do find yourself in the midst of a problem, your brain has been trained to identify things you're doing well, identify how to improve and then what things you need to do to make the improvements it really starts forcing and training your mind to focus more on solutions than on the problem you're probably facing right then and there
1: so by virtue of having this exercise of reflection at the end of the day you're making this whole process or the need to switch from problem to solution more of something that's on the top of your mind when those kinds of problems happen is that right
0: That's exactly right. It's called neuroplasticity. You retrain your brain. Remember, I told you it's biological. It's normal to focus on problems. That's a really bad thing when you consider expectancy theory. Remember, that which you focus on expands. So if it's normal to focus on problems, but that which you focus on expands, well, you see where those two intersect. There's a major, major issue. So what we want to do is we want to retrain so that it becomes normal for us to search for solutions when we catch ourselves focused on problems. And answering those four questions in the success log, that really does retrain. It's biological. It retrains. The neuroplasticity happens where it becomes more and more normal for people to focus on solutions instead of the problems.
1: Is that all that it takes to really kind of drive that sort of discipline? Or do you need to develop some other technique to kind of recognize when these things happen and then understand how to make that switch?
0: No, you know, I think if if you take a little time and understand what it is that you're doing, again, I'd be shortchanging you if I said, I think they probably get it just from this conversation. You know, but I write about it in the books that I've written and, you know, I do speeches all the time on RSF. I'd want to explain it a little more deeply, but not so much. Really, I think, yeah, the meat and potatoes of really training it are, especially once you understand what you're doing and why. If you'll answer those success logs, I firmly believe, and the science kind of supports this, that, look, if you'll take the time daily to go through those questions, your brain starts to retrain itself, and, yes, you will start to focus on solutions instead of problems.
1: So not to go too far afield, but to acknowledge that the folks who listen to Radio Captain U are also students, first and foremost, and in many cases, folks who are involved in various professional careers outside of sports. Do you think that this approach applies to those other kinds of environments, non-athletic environments?
0: Well, that's a good question. You know, the first book that I wrote, 10-Minute Toughness, that book is written specifically for athletes and really higher-end athletes. It really is the exact mental training plan I use with the professional athletes I work with. It's tested, it's true, scientifically backed, and flat out, it really does produce results. If you follow those methods in the first book, I think for an athlete, that's what you'd want to focus on. The second book that I wrote is really is kind of a business-slash-life-improvement book, Executive Toughness. And that book was not written for athletes. It was written for people not in the athletic world. Now, you could certainly, and a number of my athletes have read both books and have taken tools out of each, but if I had to say 10-Minute Toughness is for the athletes, Executive Toughness is for the non-athletes or business-slash-life-improvement or performers out there.
1: So for people who are getting started with this, is it as simple as saying, okay, I'm going to have the discipline to answer those four questions every day?
0: That'd be a heck of a good start. You know, the other thing that's such a big piece of the puzzle is, especially if you're an athlete, is the mental workout. So in my first book, 10-Minute Toughness, there really are only three phases to mental training, and the first phase is that mental workout, that five-step process that I talk about. It's probably a little bit too deep to go into in an interview like this, but if you follow the five-step process in the mental workout, it's going to really get you prepared for the games, for practices. And and then the second piece would be doing those success logs, really that self-evaluation after the practices after the game, making sure that you have those process goals where they need to be and making sure that you're following up and have the accountability to follow through on those things necessary. And then the third phase is the RSF, like we talked about, developing that relentless solution focus so that your mind in the face of adversity is learning to focus more on solutions than on problems.
1: So we need to wrap up here, but we'd love to have you back and talk a little bit more about the mental workout just as a teaser for future episodes and for folks to check out the book. What would you just, if you had to, summarize what that mental workout is like or what those five steps are. How would you describe it?
0: It's five steps, and it really takes advantage of the research that has been done. Now, what the research tells you is the top two tools in the field of sports psychology. Number one is visualization, and number two is making sure that you're talking to yourself the right way in your head, that positive self-talk. Okay, and so the five tools in the mental workout are really specifically focused on what's going to give us the biggest bang for the buck. It's really getting yourself, getting your heart rate under control with something called the centering breath. That's the first tool, and it's also the fifth tool, the very last tool, making sure that your heart rate's under control so that then in tools two, three, and four, what you do is you focus on visualization and specifically designed positive self-talk statement. But we don't want to have that mental stuff going on if our heart rate's not under control because our brain gets all haywire when the heart rate is not under control. So we go centering breath and then there's some positive self-talk tools. The first one's called the performance statement. It's the top two or three things you need to focus on during performance. And then the third tool is something called the personal highlight reel. That's that really kind of an advanced level of visualization. And the fourth tool is something called identity statement. Again, it's another proactive self-statement that's very positive and focuses you on the strengths that you have and the successes you're going to have in life and then again the fifth tool is another centering breath so it really just takes advantage of the research that's been done and I try to trim the fat on everything you know I'm not going to try to teach people to know everything about sports psychology I just want them to know about the most important and impactful things about sports psychology And I think that's what the mental workout does it's really just a very nice use of the top tools out there to put a person in position to be mentally prepared for each practice in each game.
1: Well, we have to leave it there. Jason Selk, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for the preview of the mental workout and also the details on Solution Focus RSF. That's fantastic stuff. Thank you so much. And congratulations on all the success that the folks that you've worked with have had.
0: Well, thank you for that. And my pleasure being with you and all the best to everybody out there. Be relentless when you're out there.
1: Thank you for listening. We hope that Radio Captain U helps you be more successful on the field. Radio Captain U is a production of Captain U, the network that helps high school athletes, youth coaches, tournament directors, and college coaches be more successful. For more information, visit www.captainu.com. The opinions expressed on the show do not represent the opinions or recommendations of Captain U or its partners.